Welcome to the Association Tech Insider Podcast, presented by the ASAE Technology Professionals Advisory Council, where you get to hear unfiltered conversations about associations and their technology for membership associations by association members. Welcome to today's podcast, the fourth installment in our data culture series. This podcast is brought to you by ASAE's Technology Professional Advisory Council. I'm your host, Alex Mao, Principal Strategic Advisor for Membership Organizations at AWS for Nonprofits. So far in this series, we've defined a data-driven organization, discussed the ROI of data-informed decisions, and walked through the common steps on the journey to become a data-driven organization. Today, we look at the question, how do we create a data culture? Helping me are my guests, Roni Rakos, Director of Digital Strategy at FusionSpan. Hi, Alex. And Chantal Almanor, the Chief Information and Engagement Officer at ISPOR. Hi, Alex. So let's dive in. Earlier in this podcast series, we uncovered that organizations must have a data-driven culture to be successful long-term with data initiatives. The data culture must come from the very top of leadership and be reinforced in regular conversations in the data aspects of the organization. So let's start our conversation with timing. Chantal, how do we know if our organization is ready to get deliberate about data? Well, I think you have to look at the everyday business activities. Are data supporting those decisions? How are you employing personalization? Are you able to measure engagement and bolster membership retention and recruitment with your data? How do you better serve members? I think if you're asking these questions and you're looking at the holistic view of your member engagement and how you're using data to support that, these are the thoughts that lead to moving towards a data-driven culture. If you're wondering, how do I integrate my siloed data? And, and I think it's very important, as you mentioned, Alex, that you have an executive member of your staff that is championing that. I really do think the top-down reinforcement is key to keep that initiative moving throughout the organization. I think that's really interesting. So, Roni, in our conversations earlier, you said you often see kind of two ways that an organization might shift towards a more data-driven culture. Could you explore those two ways with us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen a lot of shift recently towards more data-driven culture as it's becoming a more and more common model to work towards. I think the one way we often see this is a proactive shift where an organization is really forward thinking and sees data as an opportunity. The second and probably more common is the reactive shift where an organization is maybe struggling, maybe it's retention problems or they see competition in the marketplace and they're using data as a lifeline or a way out. But I think practically speaking, exactly what Chantel said, asking the right questions, having leadership being bought in, these are our our sort of pervasive both both ways that organizations are trying to make shift. I really think that that CEO piece is so critical. And in the data projects that I work on, you know, so often where I see them fall apart is where, oh, the CEO wasn't really bought in to that conversation or the the senior leadership kind of got it and and didn't really understand that this was going to be a long-term process that they had to be part of. So I wonder, you know, if you get that CEO engagement, what what's the next step in engaging other leaders in the organization to also want to kind of chip in and do the work that's necessary to really have a, a data culture? So Chantal, what kind of strategies have you used to identify those those potential data champions in your organizations and and bring them on board? 
Sure. I think um, an IT-led initiative is is generally is more successful, but backed by the membership department. You know, most organizations do have a membership department, and they tend to be your best data stewards. They tend to be the ones that are well invested into data accuracy and integrity already. They're using, uh, since it's the central part of most AMSs and, and, and or, you know, business, the, the organization's business data, they're, they're invested in, in, and know the pain points of when things are inaccurate or things are taking them a long time because they're downloading from over here and cross-referencing this to put together, let's say, the board report or the quarterly report. And so they make a great advocate and also the great place to start with that department. It could be your proof of concept for other departments. Look how we help them. Look how we push this initiative. And now we've relieved this pain point or we have great analytics in which we can use for decision making. So Ronnie, what are you seeing when you're working with so many different types of organizations in how do you develop a champion? That's a great question. Well, first we look for people who are data curious. We really want to find those folks and elevate them in the organization. They often are the ones who are breaking down data silos and advocating for data governance. People who are willing to ask questions and especially ask questions up, they want to know what data is backing decisions. And then being open-minded to where data takes you. So, you know, looking for people who are not closed off in the way that they're sort of, this has always been the way we've done things. This is what we know our membership better than anybody else. People who are looking for data to kind of drive new ways of thinking about their membership, new ways of thinking about experiences they want to provide and outcomes they want to orient their organization towards. So what happens when the process goes wrong? Oh, that's a great question. To be honest, it can go wrong in a a lot of different ways, but generally I think leadership buy-in is one area where that can be, where that can be truly problematic in terms of, you know, when the organization is not ready to kind of take that step. A lot of times we'll see people on the ground, the staff who are really engaged with data and want to move it forward in a data-driven way. And if leadership buy-in isn't there and that, that data isn't going up to the leadership, then they're sort of spinning their wheels and getting frustrated. At the same time, the leadership is when they want to see data, a data-driven culture shift and the staff isn't ready for it, then leadership's asking for data, asking for information to back up and drive their decisions, but the data might not be there or the staff might not be ready to prepare and support leadership with that data. So I think there can be truly, there truly needs to be a feedback loop where leadership is asking for data and staff is supporting with data and that really drives success. When either of those break down, you can have some symptoms. Yeah, I totally agree, Romy. And I think, as Alex, you mentioned before, that an organization can be reactionary to something that's happened. But sometimes it, it is those missteps internally. Just a story I have from my past. We had a new VP of membership come on board, ask for a count of all members, and then went back to the board and said, oh, I will increase membership by this many new members. Well, come to find out the report that was given wasn't an accurate count of members. And part of the problem there was there's, there was no universal definition for members. What are members? Actively paid members? Do we include the comped and honorary members? Students that you may, may be free? Do you include the members that are in grace? That, that have expired their term, but we still haven't terminated them. And so foundationally, when you have that top down, defining those terms so everyone's on that equal playing ground to make sure that 
the terminology is the same throughout the organization. So that's key. And that usually is led by membership because they're the ones that are usually working with those terms, current active member, you know, new member, what is that versus a reinstate and all of that. I completely agree. And in the four episodes of this podcast, I think we've said the words data dictionary four times, you know, being able to have that shared consistent definition around how do we talk about data is fundamental and having that universal understanding inside the organization. If we don't talk about membership numbers in the same way, then how do we know what success looks like? How do we, we measure it? I think you're absolutely right. And it feels like one of those, you know, really time intensive steps, but I feel like it's one that pays off at every turn as you go through this data journey. So how do you really know who you need to get involved in these data culture conversations? Who do we need to bring to the table? Chantal, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I think it's just about everyone, right? Uh, the level involvement will change from, from position to position, but everyone needs to understand that the organization benefits from this culture and so that it's everyone's business to some degree, right? But there are going to be those stewards or champions across the different business units that are actually putting more time and effort into it. It doesn't happen in a bubble. You don't create data culture in a bubble and then present it. Ta-da, you know, here we are. Everyone has to be keyed into it, if, if not just mentally or aware of it so that they're allowing their staff the leeway, the time and the resource to put into the, the effort itself. Ultimately, we talked about the data dictionary, but the data literacy needs to be across the organization. And that's, that's foundational. So Chantal, how do you actually get data literacy to be part of the culture? What what have you seen work well to sort of promote the literacy, especially in units that maybe are a little bit resistant? Well, yeah, and I and I, you know, we mentioned the data dictionary again, but again, starting there mm-hmm. where, where there is a, a universal understanding. And I think, you know, I've used approaches like lunch and learns and things like that where you're target the different business units and departments and what does this mean for you? Because a lot of Thinking is kind of like, okay, I've got all this stuff to do. I'm in events. Why do I need to know return rates and and membership? But what does it mean for you and your your department? And how does it solve, how does maybe the analytics and building the dashboard solve some of your pain points? That's usually where you can get that acceptance. I do want to also throw out that there is that human element sometimes when someone has spent years you know, every quarter I spend this entire day putting together this report. And sometimes people are attached to that because they feel that their usefulness and their job securities to this function that may go away when things are automated. And have you seen that, Roni? Have you seen that kind of resistance due to this attachment to an old process? Oh, 100%. Everywhere we turn it's well, this is the way we've always done things. But I think one thing you said that really resonated is communicating the solution-oriented nature of what the data is going to bring to the table. So how is this going to solve your problem to make your life easier and to clear you up to do more important work than the massive Excel spreadsheet processes that you currently are doing or the long, repetitive, you know, different different processes that can just be streamlined and made more effective and clear, clear individuals up to do work that they like doing more that matters more to the organization. So that that's a really good point. A lot of times in consulting, we 
pop in, we do an assessment, we provide a report, and we have such clarity about what an organization needs to do. And what we struggle with is when culture shift, that takes time. And so how do you sort of promote the culture and over time to actually implement the strategy to kind of get it done? And I think that solution orientation is so, so key for that. And I think you've hit on something really important here is that culture is about people. And if we take the time understanding what people's motivational factors are, what are their sources of pain, and understanding how those motivations can bring them into our data culture by alleviating those sources of pain and showing empathy for the things that they care about, I think that's how data culture is built, is in that shared understanding, consensus on what success looks like across the organization, and group work to alleviate those sources of repetition and pain. I agree. And I just wanted to add to that, that, you know, you don't just build a data culture and set it and forget it, right? It's something that's evergreen and that you're continuing to water so that it can continue to grow in as new staff comes in, as new data is available, that we continue to keep thinking that mindset, that it's completely socialized. And it does take effort to keep it going. So it's not this one project we worked on at this point. Okay, we have some dashboards and and then now you start to forget about it, but you have to continue reinforcing it, you know, introducing new data. And I think sometimes like if you can have a or something like that internally, that can keep those sort of regular meetings, gatherings together to keep it moving forward. So clearly there's a lot of work that's involved in doing this and we have to to motivate team members to be engaged for a long-term process. But have you encountered any unexpected benefits of making that investment in time? I think one of the key things is having a data-driven culture and then building analytics or you know data metrics and KPIs based off of that gives you the ability to experiment more. Being able to measure success very quickly makes you more agile. Roni, what would you say as far as some benefits? Yeah, those are some, some really great ones. Something else I've seen is the ability to sort of focus on the bright spots and sunset things that aren't working as well. I think a lot of organizations have a lot of trouble letting go of an old product or an old process that is sort of on its way to being retired and isn't getting enough attention, but they just don't want to let it go. And I think when you have the data to support that decision, it's a lot easier to, you know, just sunset a program or a product and refocus, re-energize on the things that are working really well. So that's another, another area. I also think it promotes enterprise-wide thinking. I think a lot of times staff can get bogged down in their individual unit and thinking about their individual goals and, and what is success within their department. And data culture and having a shared understanding of data and being able to share data across silos really helps everyone understand the organization's goals at large, strategically, where it wants to go, and how they play a part in that bigger picture vision. Wow, we have heard a lot of ground in these these 20 minutes together. I, I always try to recap kind of what my key takeaways are at the, at the end of the conversation, and I'm telling you, it's filling an entire page. But I, I think we've really hit on that it's important to know that our organizations are ready for 
embarking in a data culture initiative when they start asking those inquisitive questions, they're taking a holistic view across the organization, they're starting to wonder about if those silos are getting in their way. Roni mentioned, you know, a proactive shift was when we're looking at data as an opportunity and reactive is when we're looking at data as a lifeline. I love that. And how do we, you know, identify and foster our data champions? And Chantal told us, you know, we really need to look at our data stewards as those initial set of champions and elevating the data curious in our organization by empowering them to take part in this. We heard from everyone that we need to bring everyone to the table while their level of engagement may be different depending on their role, everyone needs to be part of this data conference because we can't have data culture in a bubble. You know, we need to promote data literacy um, and make it a universal part of our conversation and language in the organization. And as a result, not only do we have data to drive informed decisions across the organization, but we're seeing a lot of unexpected benefits too about being more responsive, having greater ability to scale, focus on those those bright spots, and you know the the power to let go of what's no longer working but ultimately having that enterprise mindset is what's driving forward you know the continuity of that data-driven organization i want to thank my guests roni and chantal for your amazing insights today thank you alex yeah thanks alex and thank you all for listening with us today and please join us for the next installment in this data-driven series where we explore how to get started with your data don't miss it Thanks again for listening to the Association Tech Insider Podcast, presented by the ASAE Technology Professionals Advisory Council. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.